Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I get to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources so you know that you don't mom alone. And in this episode number 389, I'm inviting to the show Felicia Masonheimer. That's why even though it feels overwhelming, you know, to cultivate theology on your own as a mom, it really is important. And it's not just important for your kids. It's important for you personally, because we can't just believe vaguely. You know, we can't just believe and call it good. It's we do need to know why we believe what we believe and who we are believing. Felicia is the creator of Every Woman, a Theologian, and the host of the Verity Podcast. And I wanted to connect y'all with her today because theology, although a big word, is something we all hold. Whatever religious background, faith background, even if you call yourself an atheist, you have a belief about God. And so I wanted to connect you with Felicia because she is helping women define what they believe and understand it from a biblical standpoint. Today, we're going to talk through that and also a specific area of theology that oftentimes I don't think we really fully grasp what we believe about sin, you know, a light topic. And like with all my podcast episodes, I want you all to put on your discerning brains and recognize we're all going to have different views. We're going to show each other grace and truth and... I hope that if you do have questions, you will come back to me and talk to me about them. I would love to further the conversation on this topic and definitely connect you with Felicia. All right, let's get to it. Here we go. Felicia, welcome to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. It's so good to have you. So good to be here. Thank you for having me. Okay. And you said that you are one of our listeners or you were seven Mm -hmm. years ago. I mean- How cool is that for me to hear? So tell me, tell everybody a little bit about that and and how many kids you have, all of that, your family and all that. Yes, I have three kids. They're seven, five, and two, two girls and a boy. And seven years ago, I had moved to a new state, didn't know anybody. My husband was working all the time and I would take my brand new baby for stroller walks in our neighborhood, listening to Don't Mom Alone. And I told I told you before we started recording that your voice is so distinct. It's like when I hear you, it takes me back mm-hmm. to seven years ago because I listened to you so religiously while pushing my stroller with my little baby. And now she's seven. And it's just crazy. You've mentored me over the years. Oh, so it's neat to meet you. It's And it's crazy for me to think about the fact that I had no idea, like that you're out there listening. Um, just a reminder to just keep centered in God and being faithful and trust where he's going to take whatever you're doing. And you have since that time created your own ministry. When did mm-hmm. you start this? And we're going to talk so much more about this. Y'all have got to be connected with Felicia over here at Every Woman a Theologian. So at the time when I was pushing the stroller and listening to you, I had already been writing and blogging for seven years, I believe. I started pretty young, but it was just kind of a side hobby. I had a career in higher education that I quit to stay home with my baby. And so at the time that I was first listening to Don't Mom Alone, I was in a really tough transition because I had always worked and I loved my job. And suddenly I was a stay-at-home mom with literally nothing to do but take my baby for walks. So I was 
kind of figuring out what I was supposed to do next and continued writing about theology because I have a degree in religion. And I would write about what God was teaching me and explain Bible passages on my blog. And over the years, I wrote about biblical sexuality for young women coming out of purity culture, and then eventually began to write more in detail about the theology of sexuality and then theology as a whole. So why can we trust the Bible to tell us what to do with our sexuality? Why can we trust the Bible in general? And that led to just teaching theology as a whole. And years and years down the line, we now have an international ministry, every woman, a theologian, my husband works with me at the ministry. We have a team of about seven people and it's super exciting. It's amazing what the Lord has done all these years later. So cool. And such an inspiration. I'm really focused in right now on this concept of taking how you're wired and your experiences and what you have and doing something with it right where you are. And I love that that's what you did. It wasn't like you had to go out and you didn't wait until you get the invite from the big stage. Like you just did what you could with what you had. And God sees that you offered that to him and he does the multiplication. And so today I just want to have a conversation with moms because even that word, you said theology, and there are going to be moms who know that, know what that is. And they're going to be moms listening that don't. So let's do look a real quick. What's theology? So theology in its most simple form is just the study of God, the study of who he is, what he does, how he's operated in history, what his love is, what sin is, you know, what happened on the cross. It's knowing why we believe what we believe about Jesus. And the reality is that every single person already has a theology. We already have assumptions and presuppositions about God, whether from churches we attended or from our childhood. Even if you didn't grow up in Christianity, you still have a theology because you still have opinions and ideas about God. You could have a Hindu philosophy or a new age philosophy. You know, you you have a theology. The question is, is my theology a biblical one. And that's where we have to go back to scripture and, and the standard of the word and say, is what I believe about God consistent with how God has revealed himself. And so that's what we teach at every woman, a theologian, we equip every woman to know what she believes, why she believes it and how to communicate it graciously. And that starts at home and then it goes out into the world. And I think sometimes as moms, we have our kids and we think, oh, I want them to be good people who go to church and who know Jesus. And maybe even if you didn't have that for yourself, you want that so badly for your children. And suddenly it could turn a switch of spirituality in your own life and faith because of that desire for your kids. You're right. And yet I do know a lot of moms who feel ill-equipped. Talk to us about that. Like, Yes. There are so many women that I work with who are either first-generation Christians, they did not have Christian parents, they did not grow up in a Christian home, and so they became a believer later in life, and now they have kids of their own, and they feel super overwhelmed in trying to explain what they believe. Like They know the basics, or they've experienced God, but when their kids ask them, mom, why do bad things happen? Or mom, why did Jesus have to die on the cross? They actually don't know how to explain it in a way that meets that little child. Or you also have people who grew up in a Christian home, but maybe it was a really oppressive and legalistic home and it wasn't a healthy 
Christianity. It was this off base Christianity that was really harsh and not aligned with what scripture says. And so those moms are also having to sift through and figure out, okay, is this actually what the Bible teaches? And how do I tell my kids about this? How do I sift through what is truly Christianity and what was the misplaced opinions of my parents or the church that I was in? And so both those moms are kind of beginning at ground zero, trying to explain this to their kids. But I always want to be encouraging that This is such a fruitful journey, not just for your kids, but for you, because having to explain theology at a child's level will equip you to explain theology to anybody, your coworkers, the unbelievers around you, like they need it at that level too. So it's a fantastic thing for all believers to know how to do, because we all need to be able to communicate our faith in an accessible way. So they're motivated. We've got Christmas coming up, you know, and then Easter on the heels of that. And I find my kids ask a lot of questions at that time. And I've had amazing theological conversations as we go about those different activities or things are coming up more just as we're driving around town, but they're like, where do I start? And you said you equip mom. So talk to us about like the very, very start, this first small step. So the first thing we teach or we encourage women to know how to do is to be able to study the Bible itself by themselves. Mm -hmm. So devotionals are good. I write devotionals. I write Christian trade books. They have a place, but my goal ultimately is for them to not even buy my book, (laughs) to just, you know, (laughs) read the Bible itself, to be able to go to the Bible and draw out the meaning. So that's something that's a, a skill that's acquired and is taught. And that's kind of our foundation from there. Then we will begin teaching through some of the basic tenets of Christianity. So who is God? What is the Trinity? Why is God three in one? What is sin? Why did Jesus have to die? You know, these are all theological questions that we're asking who created the world and what is God's role in creation? And what does that mean? You know, today, all of those questions we're going to work through and we have resources in the every woman, a theologian shop that help with that. We have, I have a podcast, we have Instagram, we have all sorts of stuff to help them with that, but it's little by little. It doesn't have to be all at once. It's just a progressive growth and your understanding of both the Bible and how the Bible applies to your life and your theology. That's so good. And I'm thinking if you're a mom out there and you've had one of these interactions with your kids, it's okay if in that moment you don't have the answer. Yeah. You can say, oh, that's such a great question. I'm curious about that myself. And then you could go and look up. Some things and kind of do some study and say, hey, I'd love to get back to you on that and have that conversation. Have you heard of the Marty? I don't know how to say his last name. Marchow- it's very long. Marchowski or something. Theology. Is the theology. Yeah. Yes. We use that with our kids and it it is fantastic if you're looking for like a, a good basis for explaining theology in a short story form. We do use that as one of our resources too. Um, I think sometimes with resources like that, if a mom is just starting out, it can be hard, even with something like that, to feel like you can explain what's in the text of the book. Yeah. Um, because our kids have follow up questions. Mm-hmm. And that's why, 
even though it feels overwhelming, you know, to cultivate theology on your own as a mom, it really is important. And it's not just important for your kids. It's important for you personally, because we can't just believe vaguely, you know, we can't just believe and call it good. It's, we do need to know why we believe what we believe and who we are believing. And so with books like resources that we use, it's good to continue our own study beyond that so that we can answer those follow-up questions that our kids have as we are utilizing even wonderful resources like theology. Yeah, that's really good. With holidays right around the corner, I want to offer you a great gift idea for your parents, your in-laws, someone you love, especially if you don't even live in the same city. It's such a great option. It's called the Skylight Frame. Here is why I love it. I've given one to my mom. I've given one to my in-laws. couple things. <laughs> okay, one, you can pre-upload pictures to it. It's super easy to send pictures to the frame. You just email them. So from your phone, you pick which pictures you like and you send them via an email address that's specific to your frame. You can also give that email address to any other siblings or aunts or uncles or anyone else who would want to send pictures to the frame and they just send them. When your loved one sees the frame, whether they keep it in their kitchen, the living room, wherever, they can even touch the screen and love the picture and you will get an email back letting you know that they loved the picture. It's super easy to set up within 60 seconds. You just plug it in, use the touchscreen, connect to the wireless network, and enjoy. There are two size options, the original 10-inch or a new large 15-inch frame. It's a black frame with a white mat. It's so pretty and so easy. It is 100% satisfaction guaranteed with the Skylight frame. So if you don't love it, they'll give you a full refund. I think you should definitely check it out. And now as a special offer, you can get $15 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com and enter the code DMA. That's right. To get $15 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame, just go to skylightframe.com, enter the code DMA. It's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E.com, promo code DMA. Okay, so for you, do you have, I know you have your own Bible reading time, I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. And then do you have a time with your kids? And tell me your thoughts on formal devotional time and as we go along the way. Yes, yes. Deuteronomy style. Yes, I love that you brought that up as you go, as you are going, um, which actually aligns with the Great Commission in Matthew 28, when Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples. Uh, many scholars believe that what he's saying in that passage is, as you are going, make disciples mm-hmm. of all nations. So as you are living, make disciples. And that really connects back with Deuteronomy, where it says, as you sit and as you rise and as you come and as you go, be sure that you are discipling your children and telling them the truth. So both the Great Commission and Deuteronomy are saying the same thing. As you are living your life, make disciples, which is why we need to have internalized these truths so we can disciple other people, including our kids. So in our home, I'm the first generation in my family or first person in my family to be in ministry and full-time ministry. I don't have pastors or people in ministry in my family. So um, it's kind of a new thing for us to be a ministry family but also wanting to not inundate our kids with 
Christian everything, you know, like everything's (laughs) Christian because mom's in ministry. But we also want to be really intentional about giving our kids that foundation of faith. So for us, that all revolves around mealtimes because it's the one one or two times of the day when everybody's sitting down together. So we usually do it at dinner and we keep it extremely simple. My husband and I will take turns. It's whoever, you know, is done eating first or whatever. We'll read a passage from the Bible, just read a chapter. It's over the two-year-old's head. It's over the five-year-old's head most likely, but they still pick up little bits and we can talk about it. We memorize Bible verses together. We work through those. Um, We'll read a little bit from something like theology, you know, let's talk about the nature of sin and let's talk about the nature of the atonement, what happened on the cross. And we will ask questions. We'll say, so what did you think? What did you learn about God in that chapter that we just read from Matthew? And they'll answer in the way that they can. And the cool thing is, is that the more consistent you are with this imperfectly there, I mean, my kids are making fart noises at the table during this. Like this is not a perfect thing. Um, the more consistent you are, the more layers they get of the gospel story and the more connections they'll make. So when we were reading in the book of Matthew, um, back here in like October, we read the Christmas story and the girls said, that's a story that we know from Christmas time. That's Jesus being born of Mary. We're like, yes, exactly. You remember that from last year. So very simple. If it's not simple and it's not accessible, we keep all the stuff right in the middle of the dining room table. It's probably not going to happen. It has to be in front of you. It has to be a place you're already, you know, prioritizing. And it can be before bedtime. It could be a mealtime. It could be breakfast. It can be whenever you want. Yeah. But the point is that you make it accessible for yourself. You keep it simple so you can be consistent and you invite their questions. So that's kind of what it looks like for us. And we have our own separate devotional time, my husband and I, that we do outside of that. And I got a question from someone about um, kids Bible reading plan. And I was a little confused by it because I didn't know, like, I get, I guess there are books you might want to avoid at the beginning, but I think our school had given us like a Bible reading plan and it seemed like we just went through the whole thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I didn't, I didn't quite know, but maybe like how to chunk it up. And I love that you said a chapter that feels very like, you don't have to overthink it. You don't have to keep some printout of a reading plan. But if you have thoughts on that, like, what are your thoughts on Bible reading plans for kids? So I think, so our, what has worked well for us is we're actually in a small group with uh, four other families who all have kids under the age of 12 and we're all doing the same new Testament reading plan. And it's just a chapter a day. And each family is just reading a chapter a day, whenever works for their family. So the accountability of doing it with other families, if you can do that is really helpful and fun. And sometimes the chapters are kind of long and you're interrupted and you're pausing and you're restarting. But I think people forget this, that just the fact that you're setting the example of reading the word of God aloud, even if it seems like they're not listening, they they usually are retaining something, right? Mm-hmm. We see this all the time with the music that we play in the car or um, commercials on TV. They're picking it up even though they look like they're not listening. So if the thing that is being heard in the home is the word of God, they're still picking up something. So it's worth it, even if it it doesn't feel like that. But to get back to your, your question about the reading plans, I think that reading plans can work really well for consistency's sake. Mm -hmm. If you struggle with consistency, they can be a really good way to stay kind of on track. Um, Don't worship the reading plan. 
obviously. (laughs) With, it sounded like maybe their question was about some of the tougher passages in the Bible. I really don't know, but I could imagine. I mean, I know children's Bibles, unless you get the action Bible, often leave out certain sections. Right. Um, And I don't know. And I've having read through it with my boys, sometimes I'm like, oh, this is a little, little dicey, but we can do it. It's in the Bible. Well, kind of like you, it sounds like, like we just do it and we just (laughs) talk about it. We're just like, okay, so this I'm person a big fan of that. Yes. Of talking was killed mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is the culture that they lived in. And this is yeah. why this happened, or this is the consequence of a decision, the sexual content. We'll talk about it. We're pretty yeah. open. Our girls yeah. are five and seven. And in today's culture, they're homeschooled, but they're on city soccer leagues. Like they're around people who believe differently than us. And um, pretty, you know, people talk about stuff in front of them. So we've started those conversations really young. Yeah. Big fan of that too. Big fan of that. Birds and bees, people. If y'all don't know yet, you haven't been around the podcast long enough. My friend, Mary Flo and Megan, you got to go check them out, get some resources there. Okay. So I thought in the last part of our conversation, we could model talking about theology specifically around sin. And I will say there's different denominations in the faith. And people are going to believe differently. And even with your framework, you are not trying to convince people of your Mm -hmm. denomination, right? You're not trying to make someone become Wesleyan Mm -hmm. through your ministry. You're just helping them form their doctrines. And yes, yes, we present all the views we can. um, So you're aware of what different denominations think and then encourage you to continue your study um, and, and arrive at a conclusion on your own. I guess you're not forming your own doctrine because the denomination is already decided on the doctrine. Each denomination has their own doctrine. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Each each approach to you know their specific doctrine or theology, they'll have a different angle on you know how salvation works or how baptism works or how something might work. And the core doctrines, though, will always be the same if yeah. you're, it's a true Christian denomination. So you've got your core doctrines and then your expressions of those doctrines, and that's where you'll see those differences. And the yeah. ability to kind of go, I think I agree more with this approach yeah. than biblically than this one. Yeah. And it's that we're all looking at the same Bible. This is what's so interesting, right? Like mm-hmm. we're all looking at the same Bible and drawing mm-hmm. different conclusions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> a hard sometimes. It, yeah, it is. And and I get this question a lot about, you know, why are there so many denominations? And And it really goes back to what's the core? Like, and I have resources on that exact topic. We don't have time for it today, but the core doctrines of Christianity that are, you know, inalienable, if you will, you, you can't yeah. change them. You can't the tenants, right? The They're tenants. Fair. Yeah. The yeah. creeds, the, and the conduct of those who hold to the creeds as Chesterton said, and then those expressions or second tier doctrines are the ones like infant baptism versus believers baptism. You can hold very, very strongly to one of those and still be a Christian. Yeah. You know, so you can per- be persuaded from scripture on, on one of those issues. And I believe the Lord says, you know what, different denominations reach different people around the world. And that's really cool. You know, yeah. it's, it's really cool that he allows us to walk that out in such a free way, as long as we hold to the core. Yeah. We're just people. <laughs> We're natural, limited people trying to put words to a supernatural, expansive, mm-hmm. eternal 
God, like a triune God that we can't even conceptualize. And we try so hard with all our little models of the Trinity. And it's like, (laughs) right. Yes. (laughs) They all fall short. They really, there's nothing that can really truly grasp because it's beyond our finite minds to put words to, but we try. This is such a beautiful and busy and chaotic time of year. And one thing that helps make life a little bit easier for me in getting dinner on the table when evenings are full is HelloFresh. What I love is I'm going to get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes and it's delivered to my door. I'm not having to think about and find recipes and figure out what I need to buy at the grocery and buy it all and bring it all home. You know the ring roll Everything gets delivered and I get to save money because they have found that HelloFresh is cheaper than grocery shopping and 25% less expensive than takeout. So as your calendar is filling up this season, definitely count on HelloFresh to get some of your free time back by making cooking simple and quick. They even have quick and easy options like 20-minute meals, easy cleanup recipes, This way, you can spend time around the table with your family, do the things you want to do, go to the parties you want to go to without having to spend extra time on what HelloFresh will do for you. And the quality is so good. The meals I make for my boys from HelloFresh, they rave about. They ask me to order those items again. It's so, so yummy. There's also flexibility. They have plans that work with your schedule. So if you want to change your preferences, delivery day, even the address where you want the food delivered if you're traveling this season, it's just a few clicks away. So if you're hosting a holiday party or just stacking, stocking up on snacks, you're going to find everything you need even at HelloFresh Market from quick breakfast, charcuterie boards, desserts, lots of ways to make your party even easier. Go to HelloFresh.com slash DMA70 and use the code DMA70, 70 for 70% off plus free shipping. Y'all, hellofresh.com slash DMA70 and use the code DMA70 to get 70% off plus free shipping. You are going to discover why HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. I remember finding a document that my grandfather had written with stories of his life. What was interesting is how in one little sentence, he could say a major event that happened in his life. And I would love to have more information about that story. And maybe this holiday season, you're spending time with loved ones and you're going to hear stories, some that you've never heard before, some that you've maybe heard too many times, and maybe you just want them all documented in some format that can be easy to read and pass down. Well, StoryWorth makes this process fun and easy. Anyone can write a book about their life. Every week, StoryWorth will email your loved one a single life-related question. You can pick the question from their collection. Things like, what's the bravest thing you've ever done? What's the farthest you've ever traveled? I remember when my mom did this, that she answered the question, what was your first job? And I had no idea that she worked in a library and about that part of her story. All they have to do is reply and then you'll get an email with that. Then after a year, they compile all your loved one's stories and memories and even photos into an exquisite hardcover book that your kids can flip through. You can leave it on the coffee table if you want or have it available or look through it at bedtime. Millions of stories have already been told with StoryWorth because they make the process so simple. 
Get started with your loved one for the holidays. And before you know it, you'll both be cherishing those timeless stories for generations to come. Help your family share their story this holiday season with StoryWorth. Go to storyworth.com slash DMA today and save $10 on your first purchase. That's S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash DMA to save $10 on your first purchase. Storyworth.com slash DMA. Um, so let's talk about sin. That's a light topic. Yeah, let's do and it. And people really right now don't even like to talk about that word. Honestly, That's true too. That is not something that you want to bring up in conversation in the church conversation, I believe. Maybe not mm-hmm. the way I'm gonna tell a story real quick. So my son attends a school that is Catholic-based. And he is not a part of the Catholic Church, so he does not partake in communion because of the belief, of the way that the Catholic Church conducts communion. You have to be a member, mm-hmm. and he didn't know. He went to the first mass and he took communion. He didn't know. And some boys there do because they're just they don't want to do the awkward crossing of the arms in front of their chest and feel different. Mm-hmm. And so um, some of them do it just so they fit in, but he was telling a girl this and she said, well, then you sinned. And he was struggling because he's like, well, is it a sin if I don't believe it was a sin? Yeah. And so we had a whole good conversation about, okay, so now you can have perspective on someone outside of the Christian faith. And you're trying to approach evangelizing Jesus to them with the topic of sin and they're mm-hmm. just not even hearing you because they don't even believe that their behavior is sin. They're like, well, right. you might think that is. I don't even know what word you're using. Mm-hmm. I don't even know. If I don't think it is, then is it? Right. Anyway, yeah. it was a good conversation we had. Yeah. That's a theological <laughs> conversation. That was a theological conversation. So in your mind, what is sin? So I love this topic, not because I love to talk about sin, (laughs) but because it is, it is such an important conversation with our kids because it can go one of two directions. Mm -hmm. Some families maximize sin. So they emphasize it so much because they want to scare their kids out of it, right? This happens a lot in conservative legalism. If we really, really come down hard on sin and talk about it all the time and how you're separated from God, which we are right apart from God. This is true, but we emphasize sin so, so, so much that kids actually have no real framework for a loving God or for the grace of God. Like you might mention the grace of God, but if the weight of the conversation is on how evil you are and how sin is always crouching at your door, the emphasis that the child takes away is on God is angry with me. God is an unloving judge. Um, I'm condemned and there's no way out. I'm just going to keep on sinning. That's kind of the the maximizing of sin. On yeah, one, you can never win. You can never win. It's like right. I might as well. Either you've got yeah. the perfectionist who then becomes the right. legalist one, or yeah. you become the, the one who's like, forget all this. Like exactly. Just I can't ever win. I can never win. God over my parents over. Yep. Yeah, yep. exactly. I I can't please God. Mm-mm. God doesn't. God might love me, but He doesn't like me. Yeah. Um, this is something that I really struggled with as mm. 
a child. Um, and that was partially because I was struggling with a besetting sin with a, with a sexual sin secretly. Um, because I was aware of that, I felt very helpless and like God was a judge, but because I viewed God as a judge, it was actually a main reason why I struggled way longer with that sin, but I'll get to that in a minute. The other side of the extreme. So you have the, the extreme maximizing of sin. The other end of that spectrum would be the minimizing of sin where we don't call things sin that are sin. We don't correct sinful behaviors. We don't address them um, with our kids and explain like that dishonor and disrespect for other image bearers offends God or that we minimize things that scripture says are wrong and we call it grace. But the reality is that grace can't exist. Grace by very definition is undeserved forgiveness for a wrong done. So there is no grace if there was no wrong. So if we minimize sin, we end up minimizing grace. And what we create are kids who actually um, become more self-centered and unloving and actually are go out into the world and, and can tell people that they're okay as they are when they're not, when they're desperately in need of salvation. So we don't want to do either of those. I like to call the true biblical theology, holy moderation. Hmm. It's holy moderation is, is that balance of saying, Hey, God is holy and he has a holy standard for us, but good news when you can't meet it, he will come through for you and he will help you and he will make you into his image. So that's kind of the middle ground. And when you're explaining this to, in my case, the seven and five-year-old, you're kind of having to bring it down to a, a level they can understand. I think the phrase I would use when with my kids when they were little was um, coming off of the Hebrew of missing the mark. Yes. So exactly. it's like not doing God's way, doing your way. It's kind of is sin. So in that in that framework, a lot of things would fall into it. Like, is God's way hitting your brother over the head with a truck? Mm, <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> but so did I real. call it? Did I say sin? No, I didn't. In that moment, I'd be like, oh man. That's maybe not, that's not, we don't hit our brother with a truck, right? We, it's not a way to love him. Does he look like he's <laughs> feeling loved right now? So I wouldn't say you sinned, you sinning yep. sinner and right. handle it that way. But I'm like, oh man, God loves us so much. And he wants us. So other people know him to love each other well. And mm-hmm. I don't, in your anger, was that the most loving thing? Hit right. your brother over the head with a truck. Like, what were you thinking? And we like process it another way. But I'm not like, you are bad. You are a sinner, and sep- You know, you are separate from me, and we can't have a conversation. Right. We're engaging a conversation and using different words. So, miss the mark. Yeah. God's way, not our way. What words do you use when you talk? I use the exact same miss the mark. That's the definition. That's kind of what the Hebrew is pointing to when it comes to sin. Um, I like to give them a visual. So if you have little boy like I do who's you know obsessed impulsive. with throwing oh. uh <laughs> I was like impulsive aggressive what are you talking uh-huh. about yep. uh-huh yeah yeah we're okay. we're in the hitting stage right now so we're Is he four yeah. he's two he oh, like okay. to start early yeah okay good he's ahead of the game he's so advanced <laughs> so congratulations advanced. put that on the Facebook <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, so he's obsessed with what? So he's obsessed with trucks, but he's also, you know, obsessed with balls. And so, you know, at his age, he can't really understand this conversation. So we would keep it even simpler than this. But with my girls who are five and seven, this would be one example. Um, Have you ever tried to throw a basketball into a hoop? Yes. Okay. Did you miss the hoop? Yes, I've missed the hoop. When you hit your brother or you take from your sister, it is like you're missing the hoop of what God wants for you. God wants you to honor your sister because he loves you and he has honored you. And when you hit your sister, when you hurt your sister, it's called sin. And that's like missing the hoop. So giving them a visual of how missing the hoop is missing out on all the good that God wants in your relationship with your sister. He wants you to choose holiness by listening to his voice and choosing to honor him and honor others. The emphasis I have when having these conversations is I will say the word sin. We'll talk about sin, what it is, but the emphasis that I want my kids to take away is a sensitivity to God's voice. Mm. When God is speaking, even before they're Christians, God will speak through our conscience, through the teaching of a parent to our children, and they will hear and they'll have a choice to choose sin or to choose righteousness. And so our emphasis is on you have a chance right before you want to hit your sister to listen to God's voice and choose sin or choose honor. And I want to train you to listen for his voice and choose the right way. So the the line I like to give them towards the end of that conversation is we walk away from sin, not because we're afraid of getting into trouble, but because we know God loves us and he wants to bless us. So the motivation is so different from the legalistic approach. We're not doing this because we're scared of getting in trouble. We're, we're doing this because it's right. And because it's honor and because you will be blessed when you do this. So talking to our kids about sin, let's talk about this arc in the Bible and it starts in the garden. So start there for us. Give us the highlights. I know our time is going to go by so fast. I mean, (laughs) we're going to have to create our own new podcast, Kids in Theology. (laughs) That's what we're going to have to create. (laughs) So a big question that um, our, our kids have actually asked at their young age, at four and six, they're asking this question. Well, why did Adam and Eve sin in the first place? Like Adam and Eve did something or our first, our very, very first ancestors, they had a choice and they chose sin and now sin affects the whole world. It, and there's different ways that Christians view original sin. Some people believe that all Adam and Eve's descendants genetically inherited this, this original sin that uh, means that they're completely depraved and separated from God at birth. Others believe that we have inherited by being in a sinful world because sin entered the world. It can't just leave it without something happening. We are in this sinful world. We have a predisposition towards sin. And so eventually when we're old enough to make the conscious choice, we're going to inevitably choose sin and that separates us from God. So usually people would say that's that's when a child is old enough to make a willful, conscious, sinful decision. That's when they would be separated from God. Some call that the age of accountability. So there's different perspectives on how original sin works, but the the core doctrine of Christianity is all humans eventually, pretty early in their life, are separated from God and in need of 
of atonement, of being brought near to God, of someone to bridge the gap and to bring them close to God so they, they can have relationship. And God saw that gap and he made a way for that bridge to exist. So God saw what Adam and Eve chose and he made a way to heal that gap and that that healing was through Jesus. So when we're explaining this to kids, we explain every person born into this world is special and loved by God. But at the same time, we are born with a desire to do what we want. So when we're old enough to choose between right and wrong, sometimes we choose the wrong way. And this hurts God. It breaks his heart. He wants us to choose what is right, but because we aren't perfect, we can't choose the right way without his help. And so God sent himself through Jesus to give us the help we need. And that is called salvation. That's how we would frame that for a child. Yeah. And I've heard so many different versions, right? Over the years, like even the bracelets with the different colors and the Romans Mm -hmm. road. And I mean, y'all, if you want to dig into this and how to talk to your kids about this, there are lots of resources to do that. And I love that you brought up the bracelet because the Christian holidays like Advent, like Easter are a great opportunity to have those conversations because like the little colored bracelets, they often are given out on Easter. (laughs) And so it's a great time to have those talks with kids. Yeah. Um, Okay. So we've talked about that atonement Mm -hmm. and atonement, meaning like there's a debt that had to be paid. Right. And that goes back to knowing your Old Testament and knowing how the Israelites would be made right with God again was through sacrifice and mm-hmm. perfect lamb. Anyway, you've got to know your Old Testament to really grasp the magnitude and the meaning of Christ's sacrifice on the cross. Otherwise, it just feels like arbitrary. Know, it was a little gross, like someone died and blood and you know, Mm -hmm. that death is our salvation feels weird if you don't know all that was behind it in the culture and the weight of every time you miss the mark, what was required by the law for you to do, having Jesus once and for all Mm -hmm. take that debt and we no longer have to go to the temple and Mm -hmm. sacrifice animals, like huge, huge. Right. And right. for eternity, <laughs> made yeah. right with God for eternity through Christ's death and not mm-hmm. that he stayed dead, that he rose again. Right. And and it wasn't just for, I've heard, tell me which doctrines believe this, but I've heard certain doctrines that take sin and rank it. Mm-hmm. Like some are more severe than others. And that to me didn't resonate because I believe all sin is all sin on the cross. Like it wasn't ranked for Jesus and there weren't worse sins than other sins. It was like all sin, which faith positions have ranked sin. Typically uh, the Catholic church is the primary that would have the mortal and the venial sins. But even in the Protestant church, when we look at what scripture says about sin, and it does say, you know, all of us are separated. There is no one who can come to God of their own. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one can come to the Father except through me. We all are separated, right? We all need salvation. However, there is the possibility of giving oneself over to sin more than another. So lifestyle sins, where you have 
given yourself over to a sin to the point that you have quenched the voice of the Holy Spirit, which Paul talks about, this would be an example of the kind of sin where the Bible says these people have exchanged, completely flipped their desires on their head. They can't even understand God's voice anymore because they've so hardened themselves. And Hebrews, the author of Hebrews talks about how people who have tasted the goodness of Christ and then have completely walked away. That would be an example of someone who is so far gone in their sin yeah. that it's not that it's levels necessarily, but it's depth. So mm-hmm. you, it's not that, you know, I lied and this person had an affair and one is a sin and one's not. Mm-hmm. It's that one person let their sin go so far in depth that it resulted in this catastrophic lifestyle choice. If that makes sense. Well, and I just feel like the consequences, I feel like the consequences are ranked, but like Mm -hmm. sin's value on the cross is exactly equal, right? It's not like sin is sin. So what I feel like is we as a community will engage with one another in a way that will say, oh, well, they did what such and such, like it's so bad. Mm -hmm. Well, in God's mind, I feel like they're weighted the same on the cross, even if the consequences are vastly different. Because he even said, Jesus said, like, in your heart is as equal, lust in your heart is as equal to adult. You know what I mean? He, he doesn't say, right. he doesn't mm-hmm. say, he, he tries to say, no, they're the same. Yeah. Well, and he's saying the adultery that you see and that you point out is the consequence, the ultimate consequence of the lust that's in your heart right now. Right. So if you let that lust continue to to go and grow, ultimately you would be practicing the exact same behavior that you're condemning is what he's pointing out in those passages in Matthew five. So yes, sin and value and weight is always grievous to God. The consequences, like you said, are ranked. Like there are greater consequences. The further you go in your sin, the longer you live in it, the less you repent of it. In my particular case, when I was, uh, I was addicted to pornography through high school and early college, my parents didn't know that behavior led to a lot of consequences that still to this day, I sometimes experience, even though I'm under God's grace and I'm forgiven and I'm free. Mm -hmm. I had immersed myself in something that had great consequences, but was that sin the same as, you know, lying? Yes. Both are covered by the cross. So when I'm explaining this to, to a child or, you know, thinking for my own self, I think the solution here is a sense of gravity for your own sin. Yeah. A sense of, of lament and repentance first for my own sin, before I look out and say that person is sinning. Do I have a sense of gravity for the sin that I have committed because when we believe ourselves completely righteous and like, well, I haven't done X, Y, and Z, it's like the tax collector and the Pharisee in the gospel of Luke says, thank God that I'm nothing like that man over there who is a swindler and adulterer. And yet the man, the tax collector is saying, oh God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And he's the one who's justified by faith. So that attitude of God have mercy on me that way we're not minimizing our own sin and we're also not minimizing sin in the world. We're equally dealing with it and equally exalting God's grace. Yes. This is the thing. This is when like my boys might say something or make some comment about other people 
Like, no, 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 no. Like, bring it in. Let's, Mm -hmm. like you said, do the solitary work with Christ through the Holy Spirit and our own hearts and minds before we are pointing fingers and trying to be God Mm -hmm. for other people or just trying, like you said, trying to make ourselves feel more righteous. Mm -hmm. The righteousness comes through Christ, not through not making the same choices somebody else made. But are we called to a holy life? Yes. Like this is the tandem. This is the, is it Paul who said, does it give us reason to just keep on sinning because of grace? Like, no, if we really grasp the sacrifice Christ made, we would honor him with these choices that have severe consequences. We wouldn't want sin to multiply. We don't want Mm -hmm. to miss, keep missing the mark and not doing God's best. Like Mm -hmm. that's not what we desire. Once we truly grasp the sacrifice made for us and what we've been saved from. So, Right. right. Anyway, they kind of, I just feel like everything gets like, my fingers are all intertwined. Everything's intertwined and you can't fully separate these theologies and put them in all clean little boxes because right it's god he's right which is why understanding the those core doctrines of christianity is so important because then you're able to say okay these are the non-negotiables these are the these are the hills to die on but then when we're say you're working discipling someone maybe your own child who is struggling with a significant sin issue, you are able to hold that tension of speaking truth and also giving grace. And that tension is really hard. And it, and this is why the whole other theology we could talk about is the theology of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. He's the helper who tells you what words are fitting for the occasion. Sometimes you do need to say something that's a hard word and it's the truth. Yeah. This is wrong. This is wrong. Yeah. And this is a sin and it's hurting other people and it needs to stop. And other times, you know, you come at it from a more gracious way. I'll give you an example. We had a, one of our kids struggled with lying. All kids do at some point, I'm sure. I think, um, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's been, it's been a developmental norm for my career that they came in and out of. You know what I mean? Good to hear. Because no, we we to were, me, it's you know, very normal. Like to overly, <laughs> to do the maximizing on the sin, I just feel like it, it's a normal thing. And oftentimes they're trying to evade consequences. Exactly. So in some situations where this was a pattern, we were being very truthful. This is wrong. It's hurting people. It's hurting you. And there's a consequence for this. But other times the Holy Spirit, when I'm listening for him in my conversation about sin with that child and that particular behavior, Holy Spirit would remind me there's an anxiety underneath this. And that's what you need to be addressing right now. And so instead of coming down hard on the lying in that situation, I sat down with her and said, so is there something that you're afraid of or you're worried about that's causing you to lie? And we had a conversation about it. Now, sometimes we still had to, again, go back to that more truth-driven conversation, but the Holy Spirit was the one guiding what was needed for that occasion. And it's the same kind of thing when you're talking to people who aren't your kids. When you're talking about sin with people who aren't your kids, sometimes you do need to sit across the coffee table and say, this was a wrong choice and it's obviously hurting you and it's hurting other people and it's hurting God. Other times you're just listening and, and you're following his leading. And I think that the Holy Spirit's leading in these conversations, especially about sin, um, is so, so important. Super helpful, super practical. And also I'm just thrilled to connect 
all these women and some men, some don't dad alones with your ministry, even the don't dad alones with every woman, a theologian, how many men are there over there? We have a lot of men, actually, a lot of dads and husbands. Yeah. 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 Okay. Every theologian. Okay. Every human, a theologian. Yes. (laughs) I love it. I have loved getting to meet you on the Zoom and chat. And so just tell everyone your website. I think it's the same name, but tell them where they can connect with you. Absolutely. So we have an entire shop with books and resources, and we also have apparel. We have all sorts of fun stuff. Um, (laughs) We have hospitality resources. Oh my gosh. Every Woman a Theologian is our organization, and my website is FeliciaMasonheimer.com. I'm the only Felicia Masonheimer, I think, in the world. So if you Google it, it will come up, even if you spell it wrong. (laughs) And then I also have a podcast, Verity, with Felicia Masonheimer. Verity means truth. And I just talk about theological topics, um, just break them down in short, simple, a little episodes to help you have these conversations with people and with those you love. And then we have a new book coming out in February called Every Woman Theologian, which actually breaks down all of the core theologies of Christianity, including a chapter on the theology of sin. So it'll have a Bible study with it, a video study, and then the trade book as well. So that's a great place to start if you're like, I don't even know where to begin with theology. Okay. Pre-order now. I mean, (laughs) so exciting. So many great things honored to get to chat with you today. And I hope you have a great week. You too. I remember hearing a seminary professor. um, He was from Dallas Theological Seminary and he was teaching on Romans to our church. And he was talking about sin and he was describing that there is a kingdom of the flesh and a kingdom of the spirit. And prior to Christ, we were bound to the kingdom of the flesh. We didn't have a choice. And it was because of Christ's work that we were set free from being bound to that kingdom. And now we have a choice. And it is through the Spirit's work that we get to choose the things of the Spirit. And I think that it's really helpful when we talk about sin to also talk about the reality now after the cross versus prior to the cross and what sin meant in the Old Testament versus what it means now living through Christ and what he has done for us and what belief in Christ means that why it's good news. Um, So I felt like I needed to say those couple things. I'm going to pray over us just as we are heading into this holiday season of Advent and preparing our hearts that we really would make the time to consider the good news of, of God himself coming to dwell among us. Lord, I pray that in this Advent season, you would prepare my heart, that you would help me to make more time for you in my days, to be in your word, to connect with your spirit. I pray, Lord, that you would um, reveal to me any thinking or belief about you that is not in line with your desires. And I pray, Lord, for our relationships. I pray for families that are gathering this season, that there would be a spirit of unity that would fall over all of it, even in their differences, even in how they believe different things about you, about life, about all the aspects that go in. And I pray that we would be curious to know what's behind the behavior. If there's something hard in a relationship that we could ask questions to know more about 
what the thinking is behind it and to be leading always with your love and to be led always by your spirit. And I pray, Lord, that you would continue to fill us with your grace and truth as we go out into the world with the same grace and truth and all the different tensions we're trying to hold that we would recognize sometimes we're going to, we're going to make mistakes and we're going to falter in our parenting and our marriages and our work. And I'm so grateful that your supernatural force and power are able to redeem all these things. And even in our misunderstandings of who you are, you're so gracious to us and Jesus name. Amen. Thanks y'all for joining me. Um, I do want you to know this is the last episode of the year. We will be back January 2nd. In the meantime, if you get my emails on Mondays, I'm going to be doing a little 12 days of joy this holiday season that we're just, my team's going to be sharing some fun ideas and different things that just bring you hope and joy in between putting out these episodes. And if you aren't signed up, you can always go to olaheather.com and sign up. And I will also be sharing um, on social media a little more about this little, little fun thing we're doing. And if you are looking for a Christmas gift, you know, you can always go if you are on Instagram at don't mom alone, I've got a link to some swag, some sweatshirts, some t-shirts that say don't mom alone. And my new book is coming out in April. You could ask for a copy of that. It's called right where you belong and it's available wherever books are sold. And I would be so honored if you would support me in that and pre-order as you are thinking about your Christmas gifts. And I'm trying to think, I felt like there were a lot of things I need to update you on. Uh, Last but not least, our Guatemala bakery project. I looked and including uh, the matching, I don't even if you call it a grant, I gave a donation. We are only $800 shy. I think like maybe close to $700 shy of our goal, which is so exciting. We've raised almost $12,000 for this bakery in Guatemala to help 125 women create an income for their family, generate income by baking goods. And uh, I'm so thankful to y'all. If you are curious or you want to push us over and hit our limit, we'd go to compassioncauses.com and select income generation. And then you will see the bakery project for Guatemala. Um, We would love for you to join us there. I thought it'd be fun to have 125 Don't Mom Alone moms who are helping 125 Guatemalan moms. And we were so close to that goal. So thanks y'all for joining me in that. I'm super, super honored that you would trust me with it. And I hope you have a fantastic Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, all the things. And I'll see you back here next year. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, Jesus said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us, moms, that's superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 317, 
The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.